Welcome to the Be Encouraged podcast. I am your host, Jackie Brindle. I am a mom of three, wife, teacher, and I do like to run. Life is busy, but one thing is for certain. With God, nothing is impossible. Welcome back, friends. I hope you've enjoyed the guest speakers I've had on the Be Encouraged podcast. In these episodes, I hope these wonderful people help bring a light of encouragement and inspiration to your world. Today, I have Leah Zerbe as my guest speaker. Leah is a well-known journalist who was reported for NBCPhiladelphia.com and Philadelphia Daily News. More recently, she was a service reporter for Rodale Publishing and found her niche writing about women and men's health along with environmental health issues. Now she resides on Potter's Farm, her family farm over six generations. And while working there, she also works for Dr. X, an online health guru. Leah is the real deal, you guys. She loves the outdoors, likes rolling up her sleeves and getting dirty. I hope that in this episode, she ignites the kid in all of us to be encouraged to have a good measure of curiosity in the world as we ask questions and have fun. Because let's face it, the world is a heavy place sometimes, and I even find myself spiraling into stress throughout a long day. And I'm finding, I'm asking myself a lot, where's the fun? WTF, right? Just kidding. Remember, it's where's the fun? So Leah and I are gonna sit down and have a chat with you. And with her lively personality and pursuit of fun, we are going to learn to love the outdoors, find out that research and science is a lot of fun to learn along the way, which has led her to dig a little deeper in the dirt and enjoy life more. Isn't that what we all want? Even if it's full of stress, I hope this episode just takes a little bit off and encourages you to see life through curiosity lenses and gets you outside and playing. Find the fun today. So listen in, come on in, feel at home, take off your shoes, and let's go. Today, I have Leah Zerby with me on the Be Encouraged podcast, and I'm so glad to have you here, Leah. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Good. So, you know, fall's right around the corner, and I already am starting to feel the cool wind in the morning, and pumpkin goodness is like being advertised everywhere, right? <laughs> And I'm, I'm cannot wait for like a pumpkin latte or something, but I want to know what are your favorite things about fall? Oh, fall is my favorite season actually, because you get some relief from that heat of summer and the air just starts getting crispy and the humidity hopefully, you know, starts to drop. So it's my favorite time to be out and exploring because you still have, um, you know, summer going on. You still get to enjoy all of that and you still get to see snakes and amphibians and things like that, but you're also more comfortable being outside than say the dead of July. Oh, for sure. Nobody wants to be outside like 92, no breeze, humidity. I mean, hair is crazy. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, for sure. Absolutely. And, um, and just for people who don't really know you, it's fun to hear what you like. And are you a pumpkin fan? Do you like pumpkin during this time of year? I'm not like a pumpkin spice latte person. I know that's a really big, big thing and people get so excited about that, but I actually love like cooking pumpkin and cooking squash. So I get excited more about making like butternut squash bisque and things like that. Oh my gosh. That just, oh, 
That sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah, and then we kind of instapot this year. So it's our first year, our first fall of having an instant pot. So it's going to be fun. My husband actually bought one and I really fought him on it because I thought like, oh, it's going to be another big clunky thing in our kitchen that we never use. But it actually is great because he's cooking a lot now and the food is so delicious. So it's one of the best kitchen gadgets I think we ever got. So we're excited to head into fall with that. Absolutely. Oh my gosh, you can make all these sorts of roasts and, and things like that to make a warm supper for when you had a long day at work, right? <laughs> yeah, that's like, usually we are coming in around like eight, nine o'clock. So we don't have your typical lifestyle. So anything that we can cook that's good and wholesome and fast is, is a winner in this house. Absolutely. So speaking of your busy lifestyle, can you just take us on that journey of where life has led you, where you're from, and little things that where people don't necessarily, who, people who don't know who you are get to know you a little bit more. Sure, yeah. So I grew up and graduated from Pine Grove High School in Schuylkill County, um, a little, pretty small school. I grew up on a farm and had gone off to school um, in Philadelphia to study journalism and work there for about eight years in journalism. And then um, life just kind of happened. And my husband said one day, we should move back to your farm. So um, we wound up coming back to my family's farm and we've been here for about 10 years now. That's fantastic. And there's so much history to your farm, Leah, right? Oh yeah. It's been in our family for, I believe if I trace it back correctly, six generations. So it's been in our family a really long time. And, um, my grandma, it's called Potter's Farm, and we named it after my grandfather, whose his name was John Zerby, but his nickname happened to be Potter. So that's why it's called Potter's Farm. And it's just so fun to get to know that I'm working the same land that he did, even though I never got to meet him. It's really fun. Like just the other day, I was out um, digging in, in what I thought was my grandma's old garden, and I started hitting flagstone, and I realized, like, oh my word, like, I discovered one of her old paths from her garden that got buried over the years, so I was kind of turning up new things, and, um, just really digging into history here has been fun. Turning up old things to new things, really, I mean, if you're digging into that, that's kind of neat, and you guys yeah. do a lot of things at the farm too for fall, right? I mean, for the most part, I don't know how much, you know, this season will look like, but you guys have done in the past a lot of great things um, at the farm as well for a family and, um, and just fun. Yeah, we used to do haunted hay rides, which was insanely fun for everybody except my husband, Greg, who had to drive the tractor in the dark. <laughs> but it was so fun for everybody else. And I like, all of the neighborhood got involved and friends and family and volunteers. So it was really fun. But we stopped doing that a, while, um, a few years ago. And we're focused really now um, because my husband is a personal trainer and we both have degrees in exercise science. So our focus here is really fitness and um, food and fitness and lifestyle kind of bringing it all together here on the farm. That is beautiful. That is a wonderful legacy to leave behind on a family farm that has been around for generations and to just focus on things that are important like health and uh, just goodness of gathering around the table with some good food that you've just put your hearts into for the for years, you know, and, um, and worked really hard with. So that's kind of exciting. And I know that you do have a lot of other exciting things, like you're writing for things that really speak to, I think, this day and age right now, what's happening. And Leah, um, you are such an expert in all things healthy and uh, mental health, as well as like 
just being fitness and aware of, you know, things that you can do to your body or with your body that makes yourself de-stress from the day. So I know handling stress right now, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners are going, oh, how do you do it? Because it's, it's not always fun a day, you know, work day. You come home and you're exhausted. I know like just going this past week, it was like a wake up call. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I, and I feel like, you know, we, everybody's been under stress with COVID. And then I think maybe we started getting used to it by summertime and now it's back to school time. And it's that whole new wave of anxiety, I think kind of hitting just, just, you know, the unknown um, and just navigating new schedules and things like that. So I think it's pretty normal um, in today's kind of age with everything going on to feel pretty stressed out. Um, so the good thing is um, what I've been doing, because I know I was really feeling the anxiety in the in the spring, was I just got outside and I got in the garden more so than ever. I was trying today to calculate how many hours I spent in my garden and farm fields this, like from February till now. And it was crazy. Like I think it was like six, 700 hours or something. I'm not sure. Oh, gosh, Leah. <laughs> but it's like calling me. That's what I want to do. Like, well, you know, sometimes... I think when you get depressed, it's easy to just kind of sit on the couch and go into Netflix mode. But um, for me, it was like getting out and getting in the ground. And then the more I started reading and researching it, because it really was becoming like I needed to get out and I needed to get my hands in the soil and plant things. There's so much to that because researchers are finding out that there's so many healthy microbes in the soil that many of us aren't being exposed to anymore because we aren't, you know, most of us aren't farmers anymore like, like back in the day. Um, and they're actually microbes that act as um, antidepressants in your body. They help increase your serotonin and they literally help make you feel better. So researchers start, are starting to talk about this antidepressant in the soil and even researching it for, uh, you know, ways that could combat anxiety, depression, or even PTSD. So if you're feeling like drawn to the garden, there's, there's actually some scientific proof behind why it makes you feel so good, which is always fun to learn about. Absolutely. No, I think that's, there's definitely some truth to that because if I'm out there in the garden and I'm just pulling weeds, just like the kids are playing, I just see a weed, I'm pulling it. And the next thing you know, I'm pulling the whole garden apart and, and yeah. <laughs> hours gone by. <laughs> it's so much fun. And it's something to be said too, when you plant something, you see it grow. I mean, it's just like the reward, you know? Yeah. And what we focus on here a lot is on native plants. So, um, we do grow some people food here, and we also do like jujitsu and yoga and all that other healthy fitness workout stuff. Um, but we really focus on native plants too, because we we talk about creating balance in the mind and the body through um, exercise and yoga. But you also have to create that in your ecosystem, in your yard, in your local park, your local green space. That's important too. That's a part of us. And, and the way we feel kind of reflects what's going on in our environment too. So native plants um, evolved to grow here and support the whole food web here, uh, say in Schuylkill County area. So the things that I grow here, if they're meant to grow here, it'll support the whole food web. It'll support insects, beneficials, pollinators, birds, all the way up the food chain to us. Um, so that's what we've been really focusing on. And the more you plant those kind of plants, the more you'll want to be outside because you see all of the cool insects that they host, all of the beautiful butterflies that are kind of popping by for some nectar. And then you learn how specific plants are needed by specific species to rear their young. Like the monarch is a famous example. They need a milkweed plant to rear their young. Their caterpillars cannot eat anything else. So once you learn that, oh, wow, it's not just the monarch, all of these different moths and butterflies 
are very plant specific. You start growing those things and then you start finding the caterpillars and then you see the butterflies and you kind of see how what you do in your own little tiny plot of land can help support the whole bigger world around you. It's really fun and addicting in yeah, a good way. <laughs> I know I love that because I think it's something that you, you speak to is um, pretty amazing. Like you're, you're talking about just going out in your backyard and planting a, a native plant can actually help uh, just boost your whole entire environment um, with all these different supporting different animals and insects and things and just helping your whole ecosystem. I mean, talk about changing the world. <laughs> yeah, with a little backyard. seed or a little plant. And it's so cool because it's not just supporting those, those beneficial insects that we need because there's been a 40% decline in insect population over the last 40 or so years. So there's been a major drop, most of it for um, due to habitat loss, climate change, and especially pesticide use. Um, so when you're planting native plants in your yard, what's so cool is they're meant to be here. So you really don't need, you know, to go out and buy that chemical fertilizer or use the Roundup or all of that kind of stuff because they're made to thrive here. They're not fussy. They just want to grow. So even people who say like, oh, I have a black thumb. I can't, you know, I'm, I'm really bad at growing things. Once they start working with natives, they get pretty excited because it's pretty easy to succeed when you go that route. Yeah. So what are some, I, we are from Pennsylvania, but I know you could probably speak to all over um, the world and what could be native there, but um, because you're very, you know, versed in this kind of um, environmental um, just knowledge of it all. So how, um, or what yeah, would so you locally suggest here, planting? I would suggest, so we're, we're in um, kind of that mid-Atlantic corridor here in Pennsylvania. Sure. So um, Doug Tallamy, who I recommend to everybody to read, he's a really good, he has a few good books. The new one is called Nature's Best Hope, but he kind of really became famous with um, bringing nature home, which was this whole idea of gardening with native plants in your little plot of land. Uh, he also has another book he co-authored called The Living Landscape, which no matter where you live in America, has really great charts in the back of trees and shrubs and herbaceous plants. Um, so if you're not from Pennsylvania, I would recommend that. Or just Google a native plant list for your region. But for Pennsylvania, he always recommends if you can plant a tree, go for a native oak tree. Because one native oak tree here will support more than 500 different kinds of caterpillars. And so what? you would. Yeah. So and say you can get a plant like from Asia or a Norway maple or something. They aren't meant to be here. So our insects here aren't meant to, to feed off of that. So it's going to maybe provide some shade, but it's not going to support the food web or ecological health at all. In fact, it, it becomes a problem um, because they, they crowd out native plants. So one native, and what's so cool about this is once you start thinking like changing your mindset to think, okay, it's okay if caterpillars eat, you know, my tree. Our plants here, our native plants are supposed to have little bites out of them um, because they're, they're here to support life too. Um, and when you know that one little nest of chickadees that you may be looking and watching out of your window, the parents need to collect about 10,000 caterpillars to feed their baby birds before they can fledge and fly off and, and, and survive. And they'll only go like about 150 feet or so. So if those caterpillars aren't in your yard, if you're only growing trees from Asia or other countries, they're not gonna be able to find enough caterpillars to feed the baby birds and they won't survive. So that's just one of the many ways of looking at it. There's also great flood control um, uh, remedies with your yard. If you just take small parts of your turf lawn away, you don't have to tear your whole yard up, although for some folks it's really fun. Just taking a corner where you don't feel like mowing it anymore and letting it grow and just see what comes up or you know, 
digging it up and putting in some native plants or even some native grasses. Like if you would plant, um, if you have full sun and average to dry soil, you could plant um, big blue stem, which was a common prairie grass that grew here, but we don't have many uh, grasslands anymore. And that supports skipper butterflies, but the roots can also get to be nine feet deep. So when you compare that to like turf lawn, which is about two inches deep, you can think about all these heavy rainstorms we're getting and all of the associated flooding and how when you're planting native plants with deeper root systems, you're also helping prevent flooding downstream, which has been a really big problem in, in Pine Grove where I live. Wow, that's really cool. I, I'm really taken back by all that information, just the fact that you can, <laughs> like just to be able to help control flooding. I mean, that's a huge issue. You know, you get those flood warning signs on yeah. here on your phone or whatever. Um, and, you know, it makes you concerned, but really we can maybe do a little bit of part of just taking that corner of the yard or something and, and planting something native to help and, um, and just support life. I think that's really a cool message, um, Leah, that's contagious. You know, we all want to support life. We all are in this together, right? I know we hear that a lot, but we're all in this together and we have a whole bunch more generations. I mean, you said six generations on your farm, but my gosh, there's way more, you know, to go. Yeah. And um, and we wouldn't be here for a long time and had that sustainability. And I think um, in doing that, like you said, just even it's, it can be helping you be stress-free, like getting out oh, in the yeah. garden. Come you're you're de-stressing, you're, you're supporting yeah. the local food web, you're reducing pollution because all of those deep roots also, um, so you have a wet area of your yard that tends to be pretty wet all the time. And as long as you get fuller parts on there, you can plant some Northern blue flag irises and marsh marigolds, and they'll actually help filter the local water too. So you get water cleaning properties, flood reduction, Okay, you guys, stress you all need to get your pencil out, <laughs> go back in and repeat that because that is amazing. And you know, for people though, okay, so let's say Leah, people who maybe live in town, okay, mm -hmm. or a certain town, um, how can they do their part? Because it's not like they can plant a big oak tree in their backyard. Like, right. how do yeah. you speak to You that? can even, um, what's really fun about gardening and reducing flooding, which is reducing stormwater runoff. So when it rains, we want to have less um, turf, which causes a lot of runoff and less hardscaping like pavement and sidewalks. So even if you have potted plants outside on your porch or wherever, as long as that can capture a little bit of the rain, um, you're still reducing runoff. In Philadelphia, there's a huge initiative to, to slow down runoff and they have um, on their streets, they have, and you'll see this in Pottsville now, they even have some nice um, planters on the, the edge of the sidewalk. So instead of just the water rushing down the sidewalk onto the road, into the drain, into the river, it'll absorb and uh, go into the plants instead of flooding downstream. Also, people can get rain barrels, which is really fun. You can set up a rain barrel and catch some of that water coming down from your gutter and then use that to water your yard or your plants or your farm, whatever you need extra water for. Wow, so smart. Good tips, you guys. Definitely, I'll be taking <laughs> some away too. I mean, whether you have a big yard or a small yard, or even if it's, um, you know, helping a, a school plant a garden yourself, I think all of those things are worth worth doing just a, a little bit at a time, you guys. I think sometimes we all think, oh, we have to bring world peace and, you know, mm -hmm. everything's going to be better and these big, grandiose ideas. But really, like, these are things we can do ourselves that not only bring us down off, um, you know, a stressful day, but can help the, 
you know, nature help our help support life. And that's what we need to all be doing for sure. And yeah, I know. And even if you don't have a patch of a yard, you can always go to your favorite local business. I, I see local businesses that all the time ha- uh, put a lot of money and effort into their landscaping. And I often think, oh man, like if you plant a different plant, it would be so much cheaper and so much less work, you know, and then you get all the other side benefits. So even if you don't have a yard, say going to your favorite business who does a lot of um has landscaping around uh the building say hey like you should look into doing native plants and let them know why and you know you enough people start talking about that and it it'll maybe change some minds in in other areas you know where there's landscaping being done or even a green space in your community if it's mostly turf just being mowed over and over maybe contact your borough or township and talk about hey can we get some you know trees or native shrubs back there to help reduce flooding Oh my gosh. That's so good. Thank you so much for mentioning all those things. That's, I didn't even know that. So I love that your curiosity has led you down so many cool uh, Google tabs open (laughs) so that you can share that with all of us. Like however you find that information, just think it's incredible, all that hard work that you do uh, to bring that to light. Thank you so much, Leah, for that. Yeah, no, Um, it actually becomes a bit of like an addiction and you just want to keep learning and you talk about curiosity and it's, it just kind of, once you start with nature and native plants and insects, like it just doesn't stop. And you wake up with really a new kind of purpose, you know, you're not just going through the motions, you're waking up and you're excited to learn something. So yeah, I'm like going to be 39 in a few days. I'm so excited to wake up and learn stuff that doesn't have to go away when you're young, you know, just kind of keeping with that sense of curiosity and exploring this amazing world that's right outside of our doorsteps. It doesn't have to stop when you're a kid. No, I love that. And I think just building that lifelong learner um, in all of us is something that is worth doing. I know I think we think back to a a time, I know I can think back to a time when I maybe felt more timid or, um, you know, it didn't really come into my own, but the person who like recognized my strength when I was young, I was like, Ooh, like, that really helped me to come into my own. And I think like curiosity is definitely something that is your strength for sure. Um, that has led you down so many different paths. Um, but I think anyone can lean into their strength and find a way to support life in a, in a really cool way like you do. Oh yeah, totally. And we might want to mention for your listeners, the, the, the via strength test that is free and online that people can take. And it's really, really fun answer some questions and then it kind of tells you um, which of the, I believe it was 24, 25 strengths are your strongest and where you're the weakest. And what's fun, I think, is instead of being upset or trying to work on, on your last place strength, it's kind of fun to just double down on the things that you really are good at and that you love and that you are excited about. And that just keeps kind of um, snowballing into more um, confidence and more excitement about what you're going to learn and how you're going to um, kind of tap into those strengths on a daily basis. I just found it really, really fun. Yeah. Ever since you, you told me about that uh, strength test to take to see what my strength test was, my number one was uh, spirituality. And I was like, oh, okay. This is why I just find so much comfort in, in God. <laughs> mm-hmm. It reinforces just, things. I mean, it also yeah. reinforces things that maybe you knew about yourself or that you were just not paying attention to, but it's always good. I think, you know, we always hear like, oh, work on your weaknesses, but really what positive psychologists are saying is um, 
find out your five strengths. And if you can do it when you're in school, even better, because then you might have a much better shot at going down the career path that will bring you more happiness. I did the Yale, um, when COVID hit, I did the, I went into the like, I didn't do like the Netflix sitting around kind of thing. There's nothing wrong with that. Everybody kind of copes differently. I went into like signing up for every online course I could take. <laughs> so That's I did awesome. the Yale happiness course and they gave it away for free. It, it still may be. Um, and it was a 10 week course and the beginning of it really focused on your strengths and, and how you can keep kind of working with them and, and evolving and just really staying inspired, I think was the point. Once you find out what your strengths are, and then they give you tips on how to tap into them more and keep them kind of excited and relevant, then you just, um, find more happiness really. And that and get off of Facebook more. <laughs> that <laughs> yeah, was the other yeah, big takeaway. Yeah. Get out! Like, and they're like, <laughs> yeah, the science is rolling in, and it's pretty crazy. Like they're starting to be able to say, like, predicting your depression, your your risk of depression by the filters that you use on Instagram. And there's some really interesting research coming out about all of that. Well, that's crazy. They can link a filter from Instagram to depression. That's crazy. Yeah, they're just starting to find like you know correlations. So not proof, but they just are. You know, we're still, I guess, the guinea pig phase of social media really you know our kids are the ones growing up with it we're just starting to now see you know the impacts on happiness and confidence and and depression and all of that yeah and I definitely agree with you I think there's something probably to that I know when I um you know can get stuck or I'm in a mood I'm like well you know what I need to put this away it's not serving me and you know that's something I know we had mentioned we had talked before um, and we've known each other for quite some time now. And I know you were doing journalism in the news world. Now, what stopped you from doing so reporting the news and going into, um, how did you put it? More of a service journalism. Right. Yeah. Service yeah. journalism. Yeah. So I, I went to Temple University and had amazing training there. So lovely. So many connections working in the city. And I love working in Philly. So I had the chance to write for the Philadelphia Daily News and the Philadelphia Inquirer, and then I worked at NBC10, the news station there. Um, and it was just working among some of the, the best in the business. So I learned so much. But while I was there, the beats that I were on were mostly either sports at one point or then crime or the police beat, they call it. So car accidents, fires, crime. And not that those things they happen in the city, they happen here too. They happen everywhere. But I just thought, man, I feel like I'm not making the world a better place just by reporting what's happening. You know? So I was really drawn to um, Rodale Publishing. They've since been sold to Hearst in New York, but they were in the Lehigh Valley and they published prevention, men's health, women's health, runner's world, bicycling. And I worked for them for seven years and it was just um, such a breath of fresh air because you weren't just, you know, reporting some sad thing that happened. You were maybe reporting on a study about heart health and then making that study understandable for readers and then giving the tips that make sense, you know, like eating tips, exercise tips. So it was more, I felt like we were empowering the reader more. And that was just the the type of journal, journal type of journalism that I was drawn to. That's amazing. And I think that keeps you inspired because what was one of your strengths when you took that test? What, what was your strength? Yeah, it was curiosity was number one. So what, then when you take that test, it'll give you a list of like jobs that would be really good for your strengths. 
and mine were like researcher or journalist <laughs> or newscaster because you, you, you never know what's going to happen that day. Like you just are like, okay, I, this is my assignment for today. Um, and you're always kind of researching and learning more. So once I got into this space where I could write about natural health, fitness, um, nutrition, all of these things that we can do ourselves, um, environmental health, how to create a healthy home, all of that. It was just so exciting because I, I almost felt bad, like, oh, man, I'm getting paid to write, to, like, learn about this and write about it because it was so fun. Um, so that's what yeah. I'm still doing now. I work um, for DrAxe.com. So he is a big natural health website, and um, I work for him these days. Yeah, absolutely. And I will definitely be sure to put that link in the show notes so everyone can check out some more amazing articles that you've written as well. And I think really bottom line, Leah, I think sometimes when – you know, we all have different um, areas and strengths that we just kind of gravitate towards. And in that, I think sometimes, I don't know, I, I was just reading, uh, I was doing some research too. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was just wondering, you know, how does play uh, just intertwine with our strengths? Like, you know, mm -hmm. I'm thinking about, you know, I'm a teacher, so, you know, when kids come into class, I like to think about what their strengths are, what, what, where, they would like to sit in the classroom or maybe what's their favorite things, um, you know, get to know them kind of thing. And that tells me a lot about what they would like to play with. Mm -hmm. And I know play can just in improve so much of, um, you know, their productivity and social activity and, and just engagement and just overall um, just feeling better, you know? And I'm like, you know, I don't work for Google or Facebook or all those cool places that have like, you know, shuffleboard and whatever have you, like <laughs> nap rooms. I mean, those are really cool, right? Uh, I don't have that. Um, but I do think there's power to play. And oh, I was totally. a thing from Huffington Post. Um, and his name is Dr. Brown, who wrote, uh, who was the founder of National Institute for play. And it's like a real thing. Oh, and, that's um, a, that's the best job ever. <laughs> I know you have to just Google it, you guys, National Institute for play. And it talks about different patterns of play and the power of play at work and that kind of thing. And, uh, what the Huffington post was writing about was saying, um, how Dr. Brown was going on to say that, you know, a playful atmosphere can, yeah, it attracts young talent, but experts say, and I'm quoting this, um, say they play at work can boost creativity and productivity in people of all ages. And I think that's to be true in the classroom. When you play a game, uh, you get the kids moving around. It just, you motivate them to have a better outcome. And maybe you're meeting their strengths, but it decreases that stress, not only in the classroom, I think, but, um, you know, just even in general, they, the website said that other research has shown that play can like decrease absenteeism, stress, and healthcare. And I just think there's so much power to play and just creating that positive atmosphere. And um, I think when you take a, a moment, when you see life getting stressed, just play, go play a game. Like I know even through COVID, we played a lot of games. I don't know yeah. if you sat around and played games too. Um, and our favorite, our board game that we really got into is Sequence. You guys oh, have got to play so this. Oh, it's so fun. And it's it so great because so everybody can play it. Like no matter exactly. who play that with like my 82-year-old aunt and my six-year-old niece, we would all play. It's like the one game that everyone can everyone play. Everyone can play. You're right. And then you work it's on so teams fun. and strategize. It is so much fun. So we definitely had a lot of um, duels <laughs> and yeah, brackets yeah. going and things like that. <laughs> Um, but then getting outside, like you said, just be outside, just breathe that fresh air. Maybe it's a round of basketball before you get back to work or I don't know, um, you know, just playing pig with your kids or cornhole, 
you know, at work, you know, I don't know what it might be. I know I get to have the excitement of just playing outside with third graders for mm-hmm. recess. So that might be my play, but somehow you've got, I think people have got to just worry less, play more. <laughs> yeah. Sense? And I think it breaks down barriers too. Cause it always seemed to me um, that the world was kind of geared toward extroverts. And as I'm getting older and knowing that I'm like an extreme extrovert, I think, man, all those introverted kids in school being like told to give speeches and, you know, raise your hand and say something out loud. It just, it just, I feel like so much of the world was geared for extroverts to succeed. And I think what you're saying with play is like, you can kind of break down some barriers and maybe feel less self-conscious and maybe be more comfortable too in the classroom or out on the playground. Yeah, I think that's a really great point. Yeah, just making them break a smile. You know, I think we all need to break a smile and just take a breath in and let it, let it out, you know? Yeah. You know, I had some kids over um, to the farm once and I was like, okay, go play. Um, This is a 65 acre farm. And so growing up, my brothers and I and all the kids in the neighborhood, we were like this big posse and we just went around and no, nobody was watching us. My parents would just be like, you know, be back by sundown. And I noticed like when kids come here today, they're like, well, what should we do? I'm bored. And even sometimes my nieces say this, I'm like, oh man, just go. I'll be like, yeah. go like collect stuff under the pine trees or, you know, <laughs> make some sort of art. And it's like, yeah. almost like they need to be told like how to play. So I think we definitely have to start like what you're saying is like, how can we bring more play back in the family and, and at school and even in sports, you know, sports can be so structured and rigid. I think when kids are even young, just to kind of take a breath and, and maybe take things less seriously and, and be a little lighter. I think we could all I benefit agree with from that, that these days. The kids are going to remember, like, I don't know. I, maybe this is just me speaking, but I know when I look back, I remember the teacher who like played with us. I remember mm-hmm. the, the coach who um, didn't talk down to us, didn't like, you know, wasn't like the mean guy, but it was like the fun one. Like you could just be yourself around and joke with, or, you know, I just feel like sometimes, um, you're right. Life is so, it, it doesn't matter what capacity of life you are in, but I think life can just feel heavy at times and the pot, there's power in play. And it's, you know, something that has been researched, something that we know works. And if somebody asks you to go play a game of pig outside, I bet by the end, um, playing that basketball game that you would have fun. Like he would be like, Oh, that was good. You know? And yeah. And maybe you talk to people you normally wouldn't talk to, you know, maybe you're getting out of your click a little bit and, and doing, you know, something you normally wouldn't do, which is really good. I have to say shout out to Miss Delaric, my third grade teacher. She was so fun. She, she was a great teacher. But she would also say like, hey guys, if you don't want to go out to recess today, you can stay in and I'll teach you how to jitterbug. And she would teach us like all these cool dances. And oh my gosh, I just, when you said that about having a teacher um, that elicits play, I, I have to think about her because half the class would stay in and, and just dance with her. It was so fun. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I know there's these things called, you have to Google Go Noodle. And I do these brain breaks with the kids and they get a kick out of it when I'm doing it with them. It is so funny. And it makes me like, it's halfway through the day. I need the brain break just as much as yeah. they do. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah. You know, so I'm looking forward to those, those moments too. And, and hopefully um, those kids take away the play, the fun of the day. And yeah, sometimes we do have to work a little bit here, but hopefully, you know, making it fun and making the game and 
hopefully it helps de-stress them a little bit. I know I need that. My kids need that. Um, and I don't, I'm a big kid, so <laughs> me too. <laughs> I, I go for the whipped cream on top of my coffee. I don't know. Like, I'm you like, get sprinkles on ice cream. <laughs> exactly. I definitely, yeah. Give me those jimmies on top and I'm good to go. <laughs> well then if, being a big kid, you've tried the seek app, right? Because this is what we talk about with nature and curiosity and kind of never growing up, learning about everything around you using that seek app. By oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> and you know, what's so funny. So Ellen, I did go on a walk and we tried the seek app and you just said, um, in the beginning of the podcast about oak trees being native, guess what we found oak trees yeah. along oh. our walk, like two of them and they're huge. They're beautiful. One's in our yard and one's across the street. And like thinking to myself as you were talking, I'm like, oh my gosh, we have so many caterpillars right now. <laughs> yes. So <laughs> much. And so many butterflies and bird butterflies. Food. Yeah. yeah. And it's so fun because, you know, I found it here on the farm, it's a pretty big property and I would be walking around things literally for years. And I'd be like, I got to look up what that tree is. And it would be like three years later and I'd walk by it again. Oh my word. I got to look that up. But then when you have the seek app, you have it right there and you do it and you just start and it saves everything that you're finding. And you just, you start interacting with your own surroundings in a more, um, attentive way, I guess. And you just yeah. become connected. And yeah, and then you just kind of go. And it's also a fun way, I think, to, to use technology in with nature because oftentimes at first it might be hard to get kids or even adults off of their phones. And it's a it's a fun way to kind of still allow that while learning some pretty cool stuff. And it also works on spiders in your house and, and snakes and all of that. Fun <laughs> and you stuff. Know I, I don't know if I'm, I don't know if I'm going to capture the spider yet and take it outside. <laughs> Sometimes I have to take the flies water. I don't know. Um, when you I'm start sorry. about them, you'll be like naming them in the corner of your your walls. Be like, I'll be like, Grant, hold on. I got to take a picture. I got to know what this is. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> and then really we can decide. <laughs> but yeah. no, that's, I mean, that's so funny. You should say that because um, Elle and I were going for a walk and, and it was a walk and talk. You guys, like if you're, um, if you just go walk with a friend and just talk things out, it one, I love walk and talk. Like that's mm -hmm. like my number one thing that if I need to stress, like sometimes I'll just go for a walk. And sometimes I know when I was a kid, my mom would be like, let's go for a walk, Jackie. We'd walk around our neighborhood or whatever. And that just is so helpful to just release everything that's on your mind and just kind of, I don't know, you kind of get a little more pep in your step. But Elle and I were going around and we were talking about fifth grade starting and she had a lot of nerves and, um, and it was just so good to walk with her and just have her talk that out and what things we could look forward to. Cause I think sometimes we have to find things that we have to look forward to, you know? Mm -hmm. to kind of ground us a bit. And um, anyway, so it was really good to talk to her about that. But then we were doing the seek app and we would find a bumblebee and we'd be like, mm -hmm. okay, let's see that. Let's get a better picture of that. And then we became, we got like this badge, like cub badge or something yeah. after like six of them. She's like, I wonder what the next badge is. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> something to look forward to. <laughs> exactly. So I think yeah. there's, when you play, it definitely empowers you to uh, be positive about life and and just take away the stress a little bit. Maybe it takes a little bit of the edge off and the rain that's pouring down hard maybe just lightens up a little bit. So. Yeah. I'm telling you, the miracle of a five-minute walk is not to be dismissed. Um, even just getting out on a short break away from the computer, just getting up and rolling your shoulders back and having good posture and walking and breathing can do all sorts of goodness. So it doesn't always have to be this 
you know, 45 minute perfect workout. That's kind of what Greg and I talk about a lot with people is, you know, just do the best you can and be moderate. It doesn't have to be all or nothing. That's so ingrained in us in our American culture to get things fast, like fast satisfaction and get results fast and all of that. And um, part of what we do at the farm when people come and start working out is actually try to slow them down. Because when you are kind of at your peak of, of like ready to go, oftentimes people might overdo it and then burn out fast or have an injury or something like that. So um, we're kind of different in what we do here because like you said, walking is like the number one thing we prescribe. For sure. And those mountain runs, I've done those before, those mountain <laughs> hikes, my lordy. Although I, I'm due for another one. I think it'd be really pretty during fall just to get up oh, there and do yeah. another mountain hike. Yeah. Because that's beautiful. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. It changes, it change perspective. When you climb up that high and you look back, you're like, wow, it's so good. Yeah. Um, and to do it like on a Sunday. Does. Yeah. Greg always, always like, we have to do it on a Sunday because it's just like, it's like things are off to a good start, you know? So it's like, you're up there. You're, it doesn't take a lot of time. It's not like this big half day hike or something. And you get a lot of elevation pretty fast and then you're down and you're done and you're on with your week. So that's, always kind of a nice way to start a Sunday morning. Yes. Let me know when you're going. I want to do it again. <laughs> I, it's been hot. I've been walking that thing. I've been hiking it and I'm getting a good sweat on. Like there's no running up the mountain for me this summer because it's intensely hot. Uh. <laughs> oh, that's so good. Well, thank you so much for just spreading your joy, your positivity, and all your knowledge. You're so incredibly um, just full of all these little tidbits that I know that people are going to take away and go, wow. I mean, I, I'm going to go back and listen to this again and go, wow, <laughs> and start and get my pencil and, and paper ready to go. Well, thank you. I think right now, you know, with um, things feeling so uncertain that we need to have more um, focus on uplifting, I think, you know, it's so easy to tear somebody down or to complain about something, but I just love what you're doing. And I, I feel like your positivity is very infectious as well. So thank you. Oh, thank you so much. You know, like you said, we just have to lift each other up. And I think that's what we have to do, whether it's supporting wildlife in our backyard that does good for our hearts and our soul and, and beyond generations to come. Um, whether it's even, I know I speak to a lot of, you know, spirituality is my strength. So I know um, for me, getting into the word brings comfort and peace um, and, and playing. Don't, don't forget that life is all about playing. God yeah. said we have to be yeah. childlike. Like, not childish, but childlike, you know, mm -hmm. and have fun. Yeah. I think finding the wonder in the world is, uh, you're never too old for that. Never. No, I agree. <laughs> so thank you so much. And I hope that everyone here listening is just going to be fully encouraged by everything you said here today. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Have a good one. Bye. Bye. Wait, hang on. I want you to know that you are so important and I love your feedback. I do a lot of talking and writing and there's no better way to keep the conversation going than hearing from you. Yes, you. If you go to jackiebrindle.wixsite.com, you can comment, email, and subscribe. 
It's a great way for us to stay connected and for you to have a library full of encouraging content made with a purpose to help drive your life in a positive direction. That's Jackie Brindle, J-C-K-I-E, Brindle, B-R-I-N-D-L-E, dot Wix site slash my site dot com. Now there's a mouthful. Now go there. Now. Yes. Now. And be encouraged.